UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show, like, in a little, in a little bit, but, um, oh, wait, how did you, oh, wait, hold on. Wait a podcast. I have a fascinating guest with me today. Um, I have with me, uh, by a recommendation of Nathan Sizak from uh, Voices of Orion, he told me to get this woman on my show, um, and I I, did, I thought it was a great idea of just for the like the research she's done. I have with me Eve Lorgan. She's a researcher into alien abduction and like SSP my labs, and she's written two books on on the the alien love. It's called it's called the Love Bite: Alien Interference and Human Relationships. And you'll see that it, what, what she's talking about, that, that sometimes these engineered relationships can happen on behalf of what the aliens or, um, and, I, and I'm going to get a better understanding of it, honestly. So uh, I want to give her a big warm welcome to the show and thank her for coming on. Uh, Eve, thank you for coming on my show. How are you? Oh, thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be on the show today and we'll have a lot to talk about. So I'll let yeah, you just guide the discussions on, on where you would like to go or where your people would like to take it. So what's interesting is uh, I would, I know you're friends with James Bartley. I'm supposed to have him on the show as well soon too. Like, so I, I think that'll be uh that, that'll be an, a great, and, and actually tomorrow. So that'll be a great back-to-back -back oh, combo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. know, we know. So, um, from, you know. Oh, that's cool. That's real cool. So, what I wanted to get into first was uh, your 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 beginnings in starting this research. Like, it, it looks like you uh, you came after like the great Carla Turner. I was a big fan of hers. I, well, I was a big fan of like the Art Bell Show in general. So, you know, like all those old researchers, like you know, old school researchers, I I followed well. Um, how did you get into Carla's work? Now, I wasn't familiar with Barbara Bartholowick. Like, is that did I pronounce her name right? Yes, Barbara Bartholik. Well, Barbara Bartholik was the hypnotherapist who had done a lot of the hypnotic regressions with many of the abductees that came to her as well as Carla Turner and her family and as well as the clients that came to Carla that she wrote about in her books. So it was really a, a lot of Barbie's work that was she did such an excellent job with the hypnotic regressions and a very thorough way of getting through screen memories and, and being able to recognize a quality of um, all the manifestations that could happen within a person's experience that would show like the whole, the whole nine yards. 
in a way that's presented that you couldn't deny that there was many things that were connected to the phenomenon that other researchers weren't really talking about. And I think it was Dr. Carla Turner who brought this out more prevalently in the, in the mid nineties. And in fact, I saw Dr. Carla Turner at her last lecture in San Diego in 1995 and James Bartley was there and we were friends at the time and had attended a lot of different events in San Diego County when people would come to town and talk about, uh, you know, UFO researchers, Bill Hamilton and a lot of the earlier ones that would come and speak about abductions or my labs or UFO stuff. So we got an early view of things. And then when Carla Turner talked about her research that had to do with um, underground bases and the alien and military connection within many people's experiences that they remembered, it, it really triggered a lot of our own memories and the people that we had talked to in our own circles, even in my support group, that was very, was parallel to what she was talking about, but wasn't really discussed openly. It was kind of a, uh, you know, you, you really shouldn't talk about it, like a covert no-talk rule about these kinds of negative experiences. And and what what I see today, and this is something that I'm sure Nathan has brought out on his show with you, is that even, you know, 20 to 25 years ago, the same phenomenon of human behavior being completely uh, pulled towards the narrative of there must be good ETs behind my experiences. So, for example, if they've had something negative happen where maybe the military was involved or a malevolent alien species with the military, uh, and it could be SSP, it could be something else. But behind the scenes, the beginning, they were always a contactee to some kind of galactic friend that is their benefactor. So it's always the narrative is always being pulled towards. But the ETs must be good. You know, they must be our friends. They must care about us more than our our human family who abused us, which you can understand that perspective with people who've been raised in um, bloodline families where they were arranged in these MKUltra SSP kinds of projects. But at the same time, there's a lot of mind control and manipulation being done, in my view, of the the beings that are even operating behind those humans who are uh, instrumental in in sheep dipping these people into these projects connected to military. So I know that's kind of a big mouthful, but it it's the same. It's a similar psychological tactic that some people might call uh, Stockholm syndrome, but I think it's much more. Um, I don't know what deceptive actually, and they're better at. Well, I need to go get talk about the Carla thing because it's a, it's important. I think people need to understand who she was, like because I think she was a really important researcher. And I feel like I honestly feel like a lot of misinformation is being thrown at us to muddy the waters because there are like real researchers like yourself who are like trying to get to the bottom of this phenomena, whether it's good or bad. What you know, like the the, the contact phenomena in general, like, and I applaud that, but like. Do you think like Carla was onto something, Carla Turner, that got her eventually murdered? And then to piggyback on that, do you feel like there's a lot of misinformation thrown into the community so we don't get to the bottom of what's actually going on with our contact experience? Yes, absolutely. And she found a lot of the darker underbelly of things that were kind of hush hushed in in at the time. So you know, it was just unpopular to talk about like underground bases where there's human involved with with aliens and, you know, weird body parts on conveyor belts and 
you know, weird sexual abuse with reptilians and then reptilians shape-shifting and pretending they're your dead relatives and, and steering you into being a psychic light worker to promote the positive space brother agenda and these kinds of things. When you unravel them, you start to see that there's a dark underbelly that she was actually exposing in three of her books. I mean, she wrote three books in a short period of time. But I think the most explosive one was the uh, Masquerade of Angels, which was the Ted Rice uh, case. And, and he was like a poster child of all the different things that happened in his experience, which most researchers may get only a little bit here and a little bit there or for a short period of time with an investigation. But with um, Carla Turner's investigation and Barbie's, she would see things over a long period of time and do a very in-depth um hypnotic regression and, you know, investigation into all the different angles that were not necessarily made. They weren't making those connections in the early days. And I think there's a reason for that. What, what do you think that is? You know, I mean, like, what, do you, do you, what, do you, what do you think about what's going on there? Well, in my experience, whenever you get too close to anything related to, let's say, satanic ritual abuse, MK Ultra, um, the hierarchy, bloodline families that are connected with, let's say, dark uh, aliens or malevolent beings that are hiding behind different alien forms uh, in certain projects, then and then targeted individuals. That's where it's like they just don't want to go there because people are too afraid to make those connections because there is a lot of targeting that happens and there are a lot of dark things that do happen within people's experiences, but sometimes it's not all dark. Sometimes it's, you know, some of the darker things. And then a lot of the times it's, it's maybe neutral and they're just being used as part of an experimental program in another capacity. So one of the things that, that Barbie was really behind a lot of Carla Turner's research because they were very close. And uh, one of the things that Barbie told me that, basically think of the aliens as a um, multifaceted taking many forms that farm humanity in many different ways, like many different programs. So you could think of the programs as a deck of cards or many decks of cards. And, you know, you just pick a card, any card of all, and then that might be that person's program. So some people's experience may be something positive or independent or neutral, or they're just in the hybrid breeding program and it's no big deal and they're not tortured or they don't, you know, have anything SSP related. So there's different programs for different reasons. So if you don't know that, then you might think that the one program that you're from is the whole agenda or only the positive things that people veer towards that is, is the mostly the agenda. But what they do is they deliberately steer the opinions towards what people kind of want to hear and want to know. And because they're not making connections where they really should be making connections because of their capacity to perceive it is limited. And I think that's based on human psychology of unresolved trauma and also spiritual deception that is very real and also technologies which um, many even of the good scientists don't know exist. So they don't know the mechanism of action of their alien technologies. Therefore, they don't look there. They don't, they don't go to where they should be going to make the proper connections. 
Yeah. Well, one thing, one pe people that, that came out that I thought that, that also did really good work that you talked about, I, I heard you talk about in another podcast, was Daryl Sims and Roger Lear with the alien implants and mm -hmm. the fluorescence. Do you think, do you feel like we've gotten away from that a little bit? And like, I mean, I know Daryl still talks about it, but I know he's getting older. But I mean, like, I think he was really onto something as far as like yeah. examining the fluorescence. Like, I know he yeah. talks about the, like after you get abducted, you should run. If you feel like you've been abducted, you should run a black light over yourself. Yes, and <laughs> just funny because I wrote the article on the fluorescence thing. I mean, Daryl was the one who actually found out about it, and he had a good intuitive process of what to look for. And indeed, there were many who had post-fluorescence markings on their skin after abduction that would take different um, appearances. And this, I did an article on this years ago, even before I did like the Love Bite research, where um, like a different colors, for example, and, and UV light, you could have a short wave or long wave, but basically, you know, like a black light. And then you go into a darkened room and you scan and you see, you know, what shows up. And so a lot of times it would be the alien fingerprints like the alien hybrid babies, I think would leave like pinkish orange, like fingerprints. And then there would be like splatter marks or tattoos in different colors that would suggest a different uh, fluorophore, which is, um, you know, a luminescent uh, compound. So basically the article was that, you know, what are all the different things that this could be and ruling out what would happen in normal life, like, uh, you know, laundry detergents and, you know, urine and different things that happen in our daily life to rule out what would be in a normal environment and then try to assess, well, what it is. So we thought it might be not only materials that they're using for uh, maybe medical experimentation that might have fluorophores in them, um, but something that comes out of their skin that's fluorescent uh, and then tattoos they would put on us as markers so that when they re-abduct you, they, they would know like what program you're in or what to do. So I think that was very real. And um, for all we know, it could still be going on today if they check for that. And um, But most people don't have a black light to check, you know. Yeah, yeah. So before we get into the alien love bite stuff, I, which is a fascinating topic, by the way, like engineered relationships and stuff like that, I kind of want to get your idea on like the alien hierarchy and what you think's going on there. Like, what do you? I mean, because you've studied this subject for a long time. Like, who do you think's in charge? Like, who's running the show? Like, and what are the various different programs that you that you know of? And 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 yeah, if you could kind of riff on that. Well, there's um. Well, you know that they can shape shift. Many of them can. And um, I guess I learned a lot from Barbara Bartholick uh, with respect to, you know, we had many conversations on the phone about things that we experienced and that were happening to, you know, maybe a small group of people where we would just talk about things that we normally wouldn't really share publicly. And there would be certain types of aliens. Let's say in the Ted Rice case, uh, for example, and it's in the Masquerade of Angels book, I believe where he had contact with many different types, including those who dressed up looking like humans in the white lab coats with the medical cloning and alien greys and reptilians. And I don't know if he had insectoids, but he had a type that was uh, um, something like a humanoid with a widow's peak hairline wearing like a purple cloak who was like the head honcho on this particular craft where they did this cloning experiment. And so there were numerous beings and different 
forms or appearances that were present in that particular experience. But the head honcho for that one was this widow's peak man who looked, who had more of a human appearance, but he was like the guy in charge. And we always wondered about that when, when that uh, form would come in some people's experiences, uh, we called him, well, we called him the widow's peak man for lack of a better term. It was a kind of a funny thing. But I do remember someone who was a at my lab abductee where she was actually being interrogated. Um, several of us were being interrogated by the military about that particular figure in, in some of these weird my lab joint joint remembered lucid experiences, which was weird. So I'll just set that aside for now because it was a type of figure that wasn't really talked about much in other researchers, but had come up as a type of figure that seemed to have a clan or be in charge of many different beings holding different forms. And then in the work of Dr. Corrado Malanga, who is a biochemist, not a biochemist, he's a research um, organic chemist at the University of Pisa in Italy. Okay, and so he did 25 probably plus years of research on the side while he's still a professor with alien abductions and ufology and doing um, his form of hypnotic regressions as he understood how to get information based on how he understands the human with a mind, spirit, soul, integrated consciousness in a body. So long story short, he, he figured out that what the aliens were doing was, uh, it's no surprise really, um, that they were causing a lack of coherence of internal communication with our mind, spirit, and soul, as he described it, within our body and our brains. And that what they would do is they would insert their own consciousness, mind and spirit components in our consciousness or in our brains to implement their programs, their memories, their will by using our, um, what he called the anima, uh, which is, he called it the soul essence in the eternal now, which people may have different terms, right? But it's the battery in the eternal now that has the power to implement the will of the attached entity alien, basically, its consciousness. So we kind of figured all that out, that that was going on with abductees, and that when he did a, a regression where he was able to appropriately connect with the anima, uh, eternal now essence, uh, and then let that essence know that it was being used as a battery for these entities who were interfering and inserting themselves in the body containers and their mind, spirit, soul containers, um, then, then they would use the power of the soul anima to burn them out and to eliminate them so they were no longer active in implementing their will through us as parasites. So with that research, he found that there was a type of hierarchy based on how they appeared, but they could shapeshift, right? So uh, he said that there are some who are actually physical or corporeal, like we are like in the underground bases, there's many grays that are actually physical beings. And many people have described, no, they're physical, right? They have bodies. And then there are some that are incorporeal that have um, appearances that are trans-dimensional or astral, and they may take different forms in these etheric type of forms. And so there would be like a, a Nordic uh, cyborg type. And, and then uh, there was like the reptilians and the mantids and the di many different species of grays and the tall whites. And um, a top head honcho was what he called the 
Oris Ra being, which is a very tall bird-like being that had a kind of a crooked nose and almost big eyes, but they were different from the grays and these funny little things on their shoulders, sometimes wearing capes, but they had like a, a bird-like face. And they were the head honcho that were um, higher than even, I guess, it sounded like they were higher than the Draco, although he included the reptilians and the mantids as being, you know, they had a similar kind of hierarchical assumption of power and control with each other. But the head head honcho, he said, was something called the primordial man, which he said is also Adam Kadmon, which is like a archetypal figure that created all the aliens. So he had this whole theory called the Evidion, Evidion theory that was like a, a unified ufology alien theory that kind of put it all together. Um, and so he understood this in such a way that he can work with abductees so they can recover the coherence of their mind, spirit, soul, so they can get direct communication with the will of their highest eternal soul and kick out the alien agenda and their memories and their will. So when, when he did that successfully, they stopped having abductions, although they would continue trying and do different tricks to continue trying to use people. But then they wouldn't be able to do it as easily when we took back control and knew how to access our highest uh, eternal now anima, as he called it, and then always have that in the awareness and the willpower to uh, always keep awareness of what's going on in the body and out of the body so that these beings couldn't implement their parasitism. But a main aspect of this, and I, I believe this is true, and it's kind of a, a key in that they act in a parasitic manner, which will try to live through us as parasites in our mind and in our, even in our soul body in some way, our energy body. So, that if they are parasites, they do so because they cannot access directly the eternal now aspect of being that humans have that makes us special and different from these aliens or the ones doing the abductions. So if they're uh, parasitic, they are temporal. That means they can only live within the realms of time and space and can't exist beyond time and space in the eternal now with the same power as what he called the anima soul essence, which is really like the eternal spirit, depending on your spiritual uh, definitions or language. So, so would this explain why there was a, a hybrid program? Like were they, were they trying to create soul? And that's what some people have alluded to. Well, yeah, they want to create bodies that have the frequency that will allow a more permanent residency of the alien, he called it the alien mind and spirit component that was often lacking in the eternal isness that a human has, a real human. <laughs> and um, so if that, they could make a hybrid body that would contain it, then they will be more easily contained in the body to control the body while using the battery of the eternal spirit, but the eternal spirit can't get through its communication as easily. So it's more like a, a kind of a possession of an alien consciousness in a, in a hybridized body that still has access to the eternal spirit. 
so in order to that that was the problem so they, they could never really copy the the eternal spirit that we have but they would try to create bodies so that they could have a frequency to contain their consciousness if they had the power and control to do so so that's a funny thing because not all hybrids are quote evil people or possessed or whatever their their bodies may be augmented and i think that happens in the super soldier projects and many abductees who may have augmented bodies or genetics that might be different but it doesn't mean that they're they're completely possessed or they're you know not human or you know but there have been studies and this is something you could ask james uh, tomorrow James Bartley and uh, Dr. David Jacobs um, had done a lot of research where some had claimed that they definitely are hybrids or they're working with, let's say, training hybrids. So, for example, there would be hybrids that that couldn't show up in the human uh, world because it, you, you'd be able to tell that they're hybrids because they look different. So they would be like training them. So would they have their their abductee be used as a slave to train the hybrids in these different situations, whether it would be on earth or in other environments, and then have to train them to like act human, like with the food and with shopping, with like daily social, whatever. So some part of the story goes with some of the ones that James talked to. Uh, he observed that some of the hybrids that they brought on board to be trained or traded um, had qualities that were basically um, acted possessed or had narcissistic personality disorder. It would act like they had narcissistic personality disorder. In other words, they'd act like the fucking hosted and have narcissistic personality disorder, which actually is a big problem for in much, much of the alien love bite testimonies we later had discovered in some of these setups, um, they would be set up with a targeted partner Usually this happens with a whistleblower or somebody's waking up too much. And then they, oh, they suddenly have this like love obsession with another person who is also maybe an abductee or somebody that the aliens or their handlers choose for them and they set it up. And then they get caught up in one of these relationships where their targeted love bite partner has all these qualities of being like kind of manipulated and like narcissistic and acting like they're hosted and all controlled and manipulated. So I think there's a connection there with um, some of the more malevolent agendaed beings and human groups working with them that want to create hybrids that can contain those, what do you call it, spirits of aliens that are different than human spirits. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, remember uh, David Jacobs called them hubrids, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He, he, I love that book of Walking Among Us. I, I still have that. I still listen to those Art Bell episodes that he did. Like he doesn't do many interviews anymore. You know, mm -hmm. it's rare if you get, ever catch a David Jacobs interview. I think because he's getting older. You know, and that's well, a shame because he was a great researcher. Yeah, I mean, he figured a lot of stuff out. And I think it's if you find out the more negative things, and and this is something that happened with Dr. Helmut Lammer too. In fact, I have his book right here, My Labs, because somebody had brought up this subject and his book came out and I think it was 97, but it was very much similar to many of the cases that Dr. Carla Turner had with the My Lab abductees who also had some kind of military component to their experience being taken to an underground base 
or being interrogated or working in conjunction as an operative um, that has multiple um, alters that have abilities that work sometimes with aliens and sometimes with humans in these secret projects as like super spies. So, you know, a lot of that was like, uh oh, you know, they don't want people to know where there's a human connection where they could make those connections and find out who's involved. And then that's when you start getting into trouble and you start having harassment and, you know, all the weird stuff. And you, you people get targeted, right? No, oh, very much so. Well, let me ask you this. Like, when, when did you start putting the theory of the alien love bite together? And can you explain the theory to my audience? Because, like, it's very deep and it goes, it can go, there's many facets to it, right? Yeah. Well, it was actually discovered, um, you know, funny, after Dr. Carla Turner died of cancer in what, June, it was January 9th, 1996, she passed away from breast cancer that had metastasized. And um, at that time, I had already started a support group for people who believe they think they've had alien abductions in North San Diego County at the time with James Bartley and another colleague that I was going to, uh, I had gone to a graduate school to get a counseling degree with. And so he helped me co-facilitate at the time. And so it was, you know, Carla Turner's death um, that really shook us because we knew it was really a murder, right? It was a target murder because of what she had learned, even though it looks like, you know, it was cancer, but we know in the field that these things happen to researchers and they could happen quite suddenly. It could always look like something, but it, you know, it's something else. And I don't, I don't want to talk about that so much as what we learned when we were doing the support group. It was kind of, I think it was serendipitous how it happened. At least four of us in the support group at the same time, more or less, we're all having these experiences of abductions and dreams and a strong like love obsession with another abductee who was also in the in the ufology either at conferences or at support groups or uh, we'd see them together in experiences and then find out they really exist and you meet them later um and so we didn't really know what this was about like why is this happening the strange psychic connections and like telepathic empathic connections with someone else and deja vu and precognitive. And I mean, it just goes through the roof in terms of the, the love obsession and the soul connection when you have one of these things is probably more profound than people have ever experienced, even with their partner that they fell in love with and married. And so it could throw your life upside down when you have one of these. So luckily at the time when these things were happening, we were talking about it in support group we talked to Barbara Bartholick about it because we were close to Barbie and, you know, Candy was close to Barbie and talked about it in the Ted Rice case. It was a classic. Um, he was set up with a, a girl when he was 14 years old and then had this like long uh, love obsession with a, a relationship that never worked out purposely, by the way, by the aliens who did this on purpose. And so it was Barbie who told us and explained like this, she called it the drama of the alien orchestrated love obsession and all the different things that would happen that she had heard about and that we were going through. And so she kind of nursed us through these things by asking us questions and we would really be set on finding and discovering our own answers by her, you know, basically asking questions about what's going on. She never really told us directly. She, she had a way where she would have you discover for yourself what the truth was. And that's what I really liked about her. So it was she who actually helped me understand, oh, my God, you know, this is a orchestrated love obsession. And sometimes it would trigger 
memories. Like once you would meet someone, um, it was like you would have a body memory of having been with them before, sometimes past life memories were as if your body made love to them before. And you have a body memory that's responding when you're with them. And it's like, this is really weird. It's like a complete deja vu memory of something else that had happened, but you can't remember the full thing. And then a love obsession that, that has all these psychic, telepathic and empathic qualities with synchronicities and all these wild things would happen. And then along with the, the drama of the love obsession, because it would heighten all these emotions, right? Longing and, you know, unconsummated love and unrequited love. And, uh, you know, the aliens would come back. They seem to increase their presence during the drama of the love obsession, which indicated that, you know, they're really keeping a close eye on this and somehow feeding off of it or very, very much interested in this whole process. So I have a question. Uh, I, Can, I mean, I don't know if I'm an abductee. I, I don't think I am because I don't have any memories, but I just got out of a really bad relationship and everything that you just mentioned exactly happened to me. And I was thinking, I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big person in this game, but I was thinking maybe they threw, put this person in my life to throw me off my game. Can they do that to researchers or, I mean, like, I mean, like what, what are your thoughts on that? Or, or do you think that maybe I could be an abductee and not even know it? Or like, I, I don't know, like, because it's it just like everything that you mentioned just ex was the exact thing that happened in this relationship that I had. And it totally threw me off my game. So I had to bring it up. And my audience is going to kill me. They're going to be like, here goes Rob talking about his, <laughs> his failed relationship again. But no, I, th I think it's important to bring up because like, I think these things can happen on normal circumstances on everyday life here on earth. But I also think there could be highly orchestrated things that happen to us. Uh, and like, and you talk about this. And I mean, I, I, I just think it's, it's very synchronous, synchronistic, you know, that, yeah, that, that synchronous. I, definitely. Well, I mean, I would say yes, that it's very possible if you're a truth teller or you're going into areas that, you know, maybe they don't want the narrative being pulled that way. So they might send in a, you know, a, I mean, in the old days in the old spy days, and this is something James is really good about answering because he did the military history and spy craft of the old days. And he would, you know, when somebody, they would send in a Romeo agent, if somebody wants to suborn someone else's agent on another side, or they want to throw them off and they, they throw in at a distraction but it's, it's a form of distraction that can throw you off. And I think this happened to me also, and it's happened to many who, who've been in the field where they didn't, maybe they didn't think they were an abductee, but they had this relationship that felt like it was just completely not normal and, and unusual how it happened and how it turned out. And maybe you had a lot of paranormal things happen during the relationship or maybe missing time or, um, so yes, I would say that that could definitely happen. And uh, you don't really know unless you get multiple witness testimonies that can kind of confirm that something unusual is happening. Like, for example, uh, you know, body marks of, you know, if you remember an abduction or had missing time and you end up with body marks and those body marks might be like an implant or, or something. So sometimes there is evidence that there's something more going on. And, you know, that goes into a lot of the implant studies. Um, but the alien that there's something else I was going to say, and I can't remember now, but in my love bite book, you'll see case histories of, of how this plays out. Yeah. And I, I would encourage everybody to go get the book. That's interesting. But like, how, do, I mean, like, does this, ha does this tie into like, 
satanic uh, ritual abuse victims, uh, targeted individuals as well. Are they experiencing the same, these symptoms of the love bite? I think so. I think with targeted individuals, there may be different kinds of technologies and maybe different reasons for why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. So um, it depends on the person. Like they could be a witness to a case um, that involved a, a powerful group, and then they may throw in some kind of technology that would put them in a bad situation or a relationship with somebody who's a manipulated um, and mind control agent, like like somebody who's a we just use SRA MPD DID who's not recovered. Um, basically, that's somebody who's in a cult. They're already pre-programmed with alter personalities and their alter might be programmed to go and um, target a particular person in a particular organization, for example. And it could be a love bite or like a love, you know, sexual thing. And then that person would, you know, ruin their lives or get information or just basically throw them off track. So that happens. We got a lot. comment from the audience. I wondered if this resonated with you. She, Beth Noya, she's a regular. She says the other person might not even know that they're used used by the beings. So it's no one's fault. Two victims in the relationship. Is that possible? So that like both people in the relationship are being used by the aliens for whatever the alien outcome wants to be? Yeah, absolutely. I, there's cases in the love bite where actually both um, were abductees and both had had it and they're just kind of bewildered by it all. And there's, they're not like a good and bad, they're not like good and bad, uh, but the aliens had an agenda with both of them for whatever reasons and, and used them. And then, you know, they wake up later and just realize that the aliens were kind of orchestrating this whole thing that played out. So very often they are both um, victims in this because they don't understand. But, you know, some of them do, like some of them who are uh, agents who really know, um, like, for example, I mean, I can give you an example. Um, it's actually, yeah. a love, but it's, it's a very interesting case. It was the Mia Adams, an FBI agent named Jordan. And in her case, she was a classic alien abductee, contactee, you can call them star child, whatever. Um, and she knew she had experiences with Grays and probably others and other military things, but the FBI agent was sent in to neutralize her. So from his commanding officers and those who were handling him knew that she was an abductee who was a hybrid. So they already knew she was a hybrid and they wanted to neutralize her because I guess the research she was doing, she might've been awakening or influencing too many people in her area with her research. And then they, if they, if they get too much too much attention. Sometimes it's because there's evidence that they don't want uncovered that that shows other things involved that the abductee doesn't even know about. And turned out she was a MILAP also who was experimented on in this whole thing. And the FBI agent was actually part of it. He was the uh, hybrid child of this. Uh, it was really complex, but she was actually the mother whose egg was stolen in a manipulation, a medical abduction by humans, but using alien technology. And then the FBI agent was actually the son who was the in vitro fertilized um, product of her egg, even though her nuclear genetic material was removed. I know it's complicated, but it's in the book. You could read about it. So anyway, <laughs> that, that sounds really complicated, but it sounds yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's, 
it's all mixed in with alphabet soup agencies and the the division that he was in obviously knew and his you know commanding officers and those who were running what they wanted him to do to go neutralize her it wasn't to kill her but it was basically to throw her off track and it was like a love bite so he was like obsessed with her didn't know why and she had like strong feelings and you know was kind of taken aback by all these anomalies that were going on with you know phone problems and you know you know the smoke and mirrors x-file kind of drama so but i knew what i wanted to ask I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just want to I wanted to ask you what you thought about the because uh, you're I know you've been researching for a long time. I wanted to ask you what you thought about the Collins elite. Like you know that was like that group of like I think it was like government and they were like hardcore Christians who kind of thought that there was like a demonic angle to all this. Do you buy into that or do you think that we're dealing with something completely different? It's interesting. I mean, I've heard that term, um, but I also know that the Collins bloodline is one of the thirteen. And it's also, if I remember correctly, I've heard Amanda Bies talk about this with Carmen Struder on her channel, I believe. And that there's, you know, they talk about the 13 SRA elite bloodlines. And then the Collins, I think, are a one of the lines that is a combination of all the other lines. And that makes them a very powerful bloodline. So there is, let's say, the SRA hierarchy system families of the Collins line that is very powerful, that has all the other ones in it. And that's why it's powerful, but it doesn't mean that every Collins is, is an SRA who's actively participating in a hierarchy, what they call a hierarchy system family, as Jesse Zaboder calls it, which is really the Luciferian satanic elite who go to rituals and they have their agendas and they do things the way they do things. So, and for um, the people that don't know that she, when she says SRA, she means satanic ritual abuse. And yeah, yeah. I figured I would just say that because some yeah. of my audience members might not be familiar. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently that bloodline is very powerful. So what I think is, is connected. And then this is part of my own work because of the people that I've worked with over the years have had connections with, you know, some uh, royalty, for example, not maybe very closely connected, but they may have a bloodline connected to a royalty line of some sort or have a connection with a high level occult blood oath fraternal um, member like a Freemason or others. There's many others. And then that seems to give, I think, some kind of spiritual permission in terms of a, a group that controls other agencies and militaries and military industrial complex companies and their technologies to um, use those people in those bloodlines as people in those experiments, let's say in the super soldier projects or in the alien abduction projects. So I think that there's, there's an element of spiritual permission that laid claim to certain souls from certain bloodlines that give them easier access to certain people that are then used in these projects. And that's what I find. That's somebody interesting. Asked, oh, somebody asked a question. It was Nathan. He said, um, "These SRA bloodlines are part of a program that goes back to the beginning of human enslavement. This is taking place in Egypt, Samaria, and everywhere you see pyramids." Yeah, is I it, believe do that. You agree with that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, one of my clients years ago was a uh, um, people, someone from an organized crime family, SRA. MPD, DID, SRA, I mean, you, you hear these terms, but, <laughs> that, you know, really people think a lot of this is contemporary. Let's say 
you know, the mylabs or the abductions. But in reality, the ancient, ancient secrets go back thousands of years and have been practiced for thousands of years through certain bloodlines, um, certainly going back to ancient Egypt, where the, I don't know if you call it the line of Cain or maybe any of those 13 or whatever they are, would do these things in their family lines and hold the power over whatever religions and systems, even from ancient times. And so they had the knowledge of this ancient form of mind control and spiritual control over people and entire religions and societies for thousands of years. And so this technology um, was adapted to now military and other forms of maybe better alien technology to create even more sophisticated um, slaves and control systems. And it may be under the window dressings of alien abductions and SSP and my labs, but it's, I think it's all connected to the same power systems and the beings who are behind those bloodlines taking many forms. So it's not just. Which could be like a Draco reptilian or a mantis or a, yeah. you mean like the aliens, right? Yeah. And they could take many forms, including human forms or bird-like forms or, um, you know, dragon forms and, and many so, and this is something that um, there's a researcher, a healer named Chris Thomas from Scotland, who's now deceased. And uh, I think it was Miles Johnston who did a really good interview with him in 2011. But the Scottish researcher was able to read the Akashic records and do all this um, healing. And he was really psychic, but he had a term for these beings that were also the Anunnaki or had use that term and that name and he called them the VLON. And then the VLON would take on many different forms and different narratives and were the ones responsible for hijacking a lot of the uh, channeled ET narratives. And, and whether it was the Greys or the you know Nordics or the Anunnaki or the Draco or whatever it was, but they were were the ones behind doing a lot of these games and game playing with these benevolent ET beings. And so this is why we have to be very careful with, you know, even when we hear about the positive ETs, is this coexisting in someone's experience where they have, let's say, a lot of trauma? Let me give you an example. Um, and this is where we need to be good investigators and therapists and just to look at the dichotomy of if somebody's experienced, let's say like the Ted Rice case, where he had many different beings, but mostly alien greys and reptilians and some of these others, um, involved, but he was steered into becoming, you know, he was a natural psychic and medium and he had a, a good disposition. He wanted to do good and healings for others. He got involved in um, spiritual groups at the time who maybe did channelings and readings and, um, you know, spiritual healings by light beings. And then whenever he would ask questions from, let's say, <laughs> channelers about you know he would have these disturbing dreams about aliens and they would say oh well don't worry it's all for your spiritual development just focus on you know this and that and so they would always deviate from the core trauma that that's really needing to be investigated but always bypass it with some other narrative of well it's got to be a positive et or a positive being because of your healing and and so the channelers they were thrown off by the darker agenda that wanted to stay hidden, which in his case was a lot of the reptilians. They were actually masquerading as a lot of these light beings and, and channeling healings. And so they could give people those uh, abilities 
to, you know, establish their bona fides in the spiritual light communities, but they were like reptilians running the show. And so that was the dirty stuff that Carla Turner brought out that people did not want to hear. And I have to tell you that at the time when this was coming out, there were, let's say, large name people in the UFO community who were making big names for themselves and still are and still have um, who claimed that there was no such things as negative, you know, evil reptilians and all the bad experiences. Well, they're all from the human military. OK, and then they would, you know, badmouth Barbie off stage and and badmouth Carla Turner or they would minimize and marginalize the researchers who brought these things to light and, and especially on the bigger uh, shows that you would see that were on TV or on some of these specials they always bring out you know the popular opinion which is always this you know it's always the controlled narrative so down the road we find out what the truth is but those things get muffled nobody really wants to hear about it uh, that that brings up a good point. I, what I wanted to bring up was, I mean, because like you've seen, you've seen the 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 early uh, stages of the abduction phenomena with, where you know you, you studied the work of Carla Turner and Barbie and like the, those were and, and David Jacobs and all that. But now you you've seen this second wave of of my labs and SSP. Now, what's interesting about that is when we, when we talk about a lot of the SSP stuff, I have a lot of them on my show, all of them. I have all of them on my show. I don't discount them, but I feel like it's like, it's, it's hard to prove because like the abduction stuff we can really prove, you know what I mean? It's like the abduction stuff. There's, I think we have like tangible evidence for, but sometimes it's like, a bit, I don't know, what are your thoughts on like what we can prove and what we can't prove and what do you think exists? I mean, I believe the SSP exists. I mean, I think Nate brought it up last time. Nate said that yeah. like the Farside Institute remote viewed, um, yeah, you know, exactly. Tony Rodriguez's yeah. series. Um, so, you know, I think that gives some credence to his story. But still, like, you know, like with all this, the work that you've done, like, like as far as like proving that abductions are real and that my labs are real and stuff like what do you think we can prove as far as like the secret space? Do you know what I'm trying to say with all that? Or is that, am I making any sense? No, you're making very much sense. I think there is definitely programs and you can't deny it. And there's a, a human physical component and also an alien component and a high tech component that could take you in and out of time. And we knew this was happening years ago before we even knew about the 20 and back. In fact, I think the first time I heard about, 20 and back might have been with Michael Ralph, which we don't hear about much now because he used a, uh, a Christian deliverance form to get through the triple booby trap programming that kept him um, really manipulated and controlled and harassed. Uh, and then it was Randy Kramer who really brought that out more popularly. But I had talked to like early um, super soldiers before we even brought the term up. It was, I don't know if it was even me, but he was a Montauk boy. And he was, you know, programmed by Nazi handlers who had taken him in and out of time or took him to the like the Nazi era or other eras to do certain ops. And, you know, where we knew that they could take you like you'd see a flash of light and then um, they'd take you. They could take you for a few weeks or months or whatever and then bring you back with a flash of light. And, you know, you were gone for a second. So we knew that they could do this. So I don't think it's anything new that people are starting to remember. The question is, <clears throat> now this is something that's come up more recently. We have to ask this question. We know that they can take us out of the body, that the aliens can take us out of the body. 
and that I think that the humans who also have access to this same kind of consciousness transfer, soul transfer technology can do the same thing and they could pull us out of our body and into another realm, whether it's a parallel virtual reality astral world or maybe in a cloned body. So we know that they can do this and that we have memories and experiences and lucidity that we can even confirm with each other in the same experiences that we remembered this together. So we know there's some reality to it and then come back with all kinds of trauma, what happened in these weird experiences. So we know something's happening, but we also know, and this is something that has been around uh, for a while. Um, somebody brought it to my attention last week. It was a client who had been a lot of the out of the body abductions where they get pulled into another reality. And a lot of it might be the weird medical thing or the, the my lab with humans in lab coats, maybe sometimes with aliens and, you know, weird, you know, crazy, just crazy shit, like testing and training scenarios and just weird shit, uh, for lack of a better term. But she found that when she used a Vila stat helmet, which is a type of material that is a something that you can order online. It was a guy who Mike created- Mankin. It's yeah, I've had him yeah. on my show. It's Mike Mankin. Yeah. He makes those Vila stat abduction helmets. Right. Right. And so he would make these hats and then found out that because of the material, um, it would prevent them from being able to pull you out of your body and doing the telepathy. So what she found that when she did like 18 layers, you have to do like 12 layers or 11 layers, like in a hat. And then um, you could block their telepathy and the way they're trying to access our energy body by literally pulling us out of the body to pull us into another realm and then do whatever they do with us in the other realm and then put us back. So when people use these helmets, you know, material, it stopped the telepathy and stopped a lot of the abductions, but they would keep trying, but it would lessen. So we know there's a, there's a technology that allows that to happen that will, that can literally take you out of the body and experience all these weird things. And then it could affect your physical body too. So that, that was a new thing. And then there was something else. Uh, but well, you'll ask James about it tomorrow because, um, has to do with the anti-targeting technology that could be very helpful for people who are being targeted because i think once they have your brainwave soul frequency and it's it's already in some kind of artificial intelligence database cloud that once they know who you are and they have that frequency that from then on they could target you in all kinds of ways by accessing your frequency and then you know hacking your dreams or giving you health problems or the gang stalking or turning people against you. And so there's, there are technologies that I think that they could use that could mimic these experiences or create something that we don't fully understand. So I'm, I'm going to say that I don't think the SSP is fake, <clears throat> but I do think that there might be ways to minimize what they're doing. If we could figure out like the technologies that they're using, there might be ways to minimize yeah, that's interesting. We, we had this question. There, uh, I, I'll explain. I had a guest on who talked about this race of aliens called arachnids. And I guess said, that if you look in the question, um, uh, three, she's a subscriber. She, she always gives me great ideas. She says, um, I had a guest who stated that the insect eating is being pushed by this group of arachnids. And supposedly they're, they're above the hierarchy of the reptilians. Do you have any ideas on that? Or do you know anything about that? It reminds me of the 
Aren't there giant spiders on Mars? And weren't there giant spiders in China Lake? I remember um, there was an abductee who saw giant spiders. But there's something else about the spiders. And I, I remember um, Harold Kaltzvela talking about this and others who've experienced perceiving spider beings in connection with sometimes artificial intelligence, like like replicators, like weird spider-like replicator beings. And then there's a there's something else about the spiders. It has to do with a type of parasite that has a certain quality that's being observed in certain shamanic healing methods. And this is something that Harold Kaltzvela talked about in some of his interviews with Dr. Lee Merritt and some other people. When they're, when they're doing shamanic work, they're finding that there's like head... Uh, I don't know what to call them, egregoric entities that have certain, they may take on certain forms in your, in your vision. And one of them was a spider. One of them was an octopus and another one was a serpent. And so each one had a particular quality on the person in terms of what they were experiencing in their lives. And so that might be something that could be investigated further. I think there is something about the spiders, definitely. But I don't really know yes. much about it. Yeah, and then and then real quick, did you want to talk about your first book too? Um, but, but we didn't get into that. Okay, well, let me. I'll show you. I mean, I don't know if it, it's this is my first book called "The Love Bite: Alien Interference in Human Love Relationships," and I still have hard copies, but you have to get them through me directly if you want to get a decent price. And then um, this one was really about the case histories of people who've had alien abductions, mostly many different abductions in their life and then they knew they were being set up because they remembered aliens putting them together and there was enough of witness testimony to suggest that this was definitely happening with aliens and, and sightings and different things where like they knew it was the aliens involved okay so that was that first book and then my second book is about this one here dark and this yeah, one's um, it's, really, it's actually like a part two, but it's love affairs, the supernatural, and uh, energy vampirism. And in in this book, there were aliens noticed in some of the testimonies, even my labs, um, but not all of them felt that they were classic abductees or or my labs. Um, they might have just had a weird experience where they knew there was a third party entity involved in orchestrating setting up or interfering or doing something in a strange way. So that is actually helpful because it gives you, you know, maybe a deeper look that looks at the quality of energy vampirism as a, as a primary motive in a lot of this. And I believe it's, it's energy vampirism, a type of psychic vampirism. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's interesting. I, I, I we didn't get into that. I think it's the whole main thing. I mean, when you look at like chaos, what's creating chaos in the world and what kinds of personalities are addicted to chaos? Narcissists, narcissistic personality disorder, people who haven't dealt with their shit, um, people who have a lot of unresolved trauma but refuse to deal with it, um, people who have attached entities and a lot of dark entities. So it, it's like a chaos thing. They, they need to create chaos and drama and then they feed off of it. So this is, I think, what the aliens are doing. They're very much interested in creating drama and chaos. And, and one they of the feed off our loose, right? 
They, they say to feed off our loose. Yeah, yeah, it's a loose thing, right? But one of the things that I did notice, even years ago when I was doing my support group and in my own life, is like the more unresolved trauma and relationship issues and chaos and you know emotional distress in your life and the more chaos and the more you would be involved with others who had that kind of energy, the more experiences you would have with the alien abductions and with the, the interference or with the my lab, you know, the smoke and the mirrors and the, you know, being followed by black helicopters and the whole nine yards. It was like a big show. It was like a big drama, you know? And if you, if you calm down and you do your recovery work and you, I find now that I no longer identify with being, quote, an abductee or a MyLab or a SSP. It's like, well, I've had the experiences, but I don't really identify with it anymore. And I don't, I don't even care. I just want to have like a happy, harmonious life and get on with other things, even though I'm interested in doing therapy with people who have trauma. But I think they get us stuck in over-identifying with them. And this is one of my complaints against where the narrative is going, even with the SSP, even though I think it's not untrue, it's just there's so much identifying with the bells and whistles of it all that it basically feeds that egregore. You know what I'm saying? That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What I was going to, I'm trying to think what I, oh, I was going to ask you about your experiences real quick. I, I, what, what did you, did you have mostly commonly experiences with greys or did you have reptilian too? Or like, uh, and the, is that kind of what, what, what initially drove you into this field? Yes. In fact, <laughs> I grew up in San Francisco Bay area and um, my dad worked for Lockheed Martin for many, many years um, throughout my childhood. And, so I, I was actually raised to have an open mind about UFOs and actually see ETs as benevolent beings um, because, you know, at the time my parents were young, you know, they, their idea was some of the early contactee in the desert movement where it was like the positive space brothers associated with channeling. And we knew there were UFOs, but didn't really make the connection that were the, the darker beings or that they were good beings. But in my own life, there was there was the dichotomy of early trauma, definitely uh, UFOs and missing time and classic like Bud Hopkins abduction kind of stuff. And then on the one hand, all this hidden trauma, but wanting to believe that there are these good space brothers and I'm part of that, you know, like I'm a special, you know, indigo child or something. But as I investigated further, I, it seemed to be like, well, there's more trauma involved. And then there was the military involved. And then we knew that my dad's company, he was actually involved in top clearance work where they actually knew about all this advanced satellite technology and aliens and tracking UFOs and knowing if they were from here, from elsewhere. So it's just interesting how many people that I found out later were also involved in who had parents who worked for aerospace, like high level aerospace and connected to Freemasons. And then they were in these my lab projects. So it's just strange how, how it all worked out. So it was the whole psychic thing where my dad brought home these psychic cards, which are the same ones that Andrew Basaggio talked about, you know, the five cards that had the forms on them and then you would guess which one it is and then you would test your psychic ability. And he brought them home from Lockheed. 
And then he had to give the, the deck of cards back and then he would test us for our psychic ability. But by that time we were already psychic. We, and then we were already being used in these projects. It's like, we didn't know until years later, all this stuff was going on. So they've been, they've been doing this for years. They always seem to pick psychic kids or they create it somehow. So I'm sure you've heard that before. There's nothing new about. Oh that. yeah, I'm I'm really big into psi. You know, I, I love I love uh, studying psi, and I I don't know what the, the the connection is with psi and abductions, but I mean, I I wonder if of psi kids or psi people can use their powers to kind of over 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 overthrow abductions. Like I've always wondered that. I mean, I'm I'm highly intuitive. I'm not very psychic. I, I would just say I'm highly intuitive do you think like people can use their psychic powers to you know kind of stop it nullify abductions does that make any sense or no yeah yeah are you you kidding me this is like the whole big thing and this was something that dr karata malanga taught many of us to do and like basically burn them up and and entrap them in other dimensions or um, what many of us have learned to do over time is become lucid in our consciousness in dreams and awake, and then recognize when the aliens and whoever is working through that image is hacking in and trying to manipulate and control, and then you know stopping them in their progress, and then using our own lucidity and our own eternal now spirit to take control and to change everything in the past, present, and the future so that it stops the process and they can no longer abduct or do the same things. And so this, this is real exciting work and it's actually more fun uh, working in lucid dreaming and dream work where you start noticing more and more subtle, um, how I say, cause and effect. So then we can see how like targeting will happen with interdimensional interference, for example, where let's say they can't get you physically anymore, then they'll, they'll try to work through different people or create events that, that work through these, they, they work through certain time and space windows through certain people to try to carry out, like a, I call it a clusterfuck for lack of a better term. <laughs> Let's say you're on a targeting end of a clusterfuck and then a bunch of things will happen like a, a certain hours, like in hours or in a three day period. And then it all happens like it's linked together because they got in a window and then you learn how to perceive based on what you're shown in dreams and what you're feeling and what you're experiencing and how it's connected with that energy. And you start to feel the energy of the other and how it's being worked through society and through people. And then you also learn the positive where you have the positive light of the internal goodness coming through and allowing like miracles to happen and then creating big changes in your life that are no longer affected by, you know, the, the hardcore interfering gang stalking crap. And I think they're using technologies as well, but our highest power, I believe is our spirit and our connection with our eternal spirit. That's fascinating. Um, I guess to summarize everything and to finish up, like where do you see this whole area of research going? What do you think is next for us? Like in the disclosure community, like, or whatever you want to call it, the UFO community, the abductee community, like all of them, like, where do you see, do you see us ever making any clearer headway? Or do you think we've already made good headway and we just need to implement strategies kind of like what you were just talking about? Or what do you think? 
Well, I mean, if it, if anything's run by an alphabet soup agency, you know it's going to be spun in a certain way because that's what they have to do. Okay. They're run by the hierarchy system families that must hide or do things in a certain way according to how they're being instructed by who they're working for. So you know it'll be spun. So they might include a few things that are true, but they're going to have to spin it, right? So that's just how it works in this world now. But I think more and more is coming to light, um, definitely with the super soldier stuff. It's just the attention is focused on a lot of the bells and whistles instead of my belief is that the more we do true trauma recovery and the, and the good old fashioned human psychology as we learn it and the true spiritual power of our real eternal spiritual nature with the real overall God of all that is, that is good instead of the fake gods that require sacrifice and all that other shit, the more we connect with that and authentically allow this trauma recovery to take place, we discover what the truth is, and then we will be able to have the safety. This is what we need. We need the safety um, to be able to just throw everything out on the table. Uh, and this is what Barbie told me. She said, honey, you just have to, you know, put it out all on the table. And it's like, you know, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, and, and a whole bunch of things like a deck of cards. And this deck of cards are all the different experiences and programs and kinds of things that happen. And we have to look at it all with compassion and understanding for everybody who has experienced this and not try to make it a, a Hegelian dialectic where people are just arguing and fighting with one another and making each other bad or wrong. And, and that's, that tends to happen. And, and if, if we could help one another and create the safety so that we could just be honest with just how we experienced it and being willing to go, to go deeper without threat, right? without being threatened or feel like, you know, you're going to end up homeless or dead, then, then we can discover more. That's what I think. I, I think that's really well said. Well, can you tell everybody where to find your books? And thank you so much for doing this, by the way, this was awesome. I'm glad, so glad we did this and I'm sick today. So like, I'm, I, I think this came out really well for, you know, I have right. a really bad cold, like, but I, I tried to hang in for it, but uh, th thank you so much. And and can you tell everybody where to find you and where to find your books? And, and this, this yeah. was really amazing. Go to my website, even though I'm having, my website's having problems, but evelorgan.com under the book section, you can get both books, hard copies still through me um, at the prices on the website. And they are, I think there are still Kindle editions on Amazon, even though I'm not getting paid for them because I'm ha being blocked out of certain accounts, which is a drag, but yeah. So you could still get my books and go through my website. I have a telegram group called alien love bite. That's also just another way that I could post things when the other ones go down, because oftentimes I, I'm censored in shadow band too. That's just part of the deal. And, um, but I can be emailed also at elorgan at gmail.com. So. Well, thank you so much. And it was so nice meeting you. This was awesome. And thank you. And thank you everybody for tuning in today. And if you want to know anything, any, look in the links are in the description and all that. So thank you everybody and have a good night, everyone. And uh, thank you for tuning in.